Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. You know, Easter's a great time uh, to remember. And we need help as people remembering because we tend to forget sometimes the value of something that we have. I've watched people come in and they, they come in to work for us as a church and they're thinking, oh, this is great. Working for a church is going to be like the next thing to working for heaven. And then they figure out that we're just real people and you see the bloom come off that rose pretty quick. But oftentimes they just lose sight of something that's valuable. Ever bought a, a new car when we used to be able to buy new cars? And uh, the, uh, you get a new car, and you're like, you're so excited about that new car. But then a few years later, it's that old car. And, and the newness and the excitement wears off. How about relationships? They can start off so bright and shiny and high ex- expectations. Don't always end up that way. Sometimes in relationships, we can lose sight of the value. Doesn't have to be that way, but it happens. There was a couple celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. They went to a beautiful resort in Jamaica. And they were so loving and so attentive to one another that the local paper came out to do a story on them. And they, they asked them, said, you, seem, you guys just seem to have kept the love alive for 50 years. You seem so happy. Um, how do you do it? What's your secret? And the man spoke up. He said, well, it started really on our honeymoon. We went to, our honeymoon was at the Grand Canyon. See, we were taking a donkey ride down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. My wife was in front on her donkey. I was following her. And uh, we, we'd gone a, a little bit, and her donkey stumbled, and she almost fell off. She just patted the donkey and said, that's one. She kept going. About 10 minutes later, that donkey, must have been kind of an old donkey, he stumbled again. And again, she really almost fell off that time, and she just patted the donkey. She said, that's two. She said, we had gone another 30 minutes when this, this donkey was really struggling and just stumbled real badly, and she really almost toppled over the, the front of the donkey, and she got her composure, and she patted the little donkey, and she said, that's three. She got off the donkey and reached into her purse and grabbed a revolver, pulled it out and shot the donkey, killed him dead right there in the middle of the trail. He said, I went nuts. I'm like, are you crazy? Woman, what has gotten into you? This donkey was just, just trying to, doing his best. What in the world are you doing? She looked at me. She said, that's one. <laughs> he said, we've been happy ever since. <laughs> Sometimes we need to be reminded about some of the relationships in our life that we lose sight of and lose sight of their value. But you know, it can be the same way about the Lord too that you can lose sight of the value that, that uh, he has. And in fact, Peter wrote to the church and uh, he was writing this in 1 Peter. He said, I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent. He was talking about his body. To stir you up by reminding you. So Easter is a great time to get stirred up. That word stirred up means to awake. It's, it's a great time to be reminded of what God's done. Of what Easter really is all about. And one of the biggest reminders we have is is of the cross. I love what they did with our cross up here, that LED cross and the the flowers and the things. It's just really cool. It's a great reminder. uh, There was a Franciscan University a couple of years ago up in um, 
Ohio, that was running online ads for their theology courses, and they were running them on Facebook. And one of their ads had a depiction of the cross and the crucifixion, and Facebook denied that ad. They, they, they banned it. They rejected it. Wouldn't let him put it on. And the monitors at Facebook said, the reason we can't put this, this cross on is because it is sensational, shocking, and excessively violent. And they rejected the ad. But I love how this Franciscan, that's a, it's a Catholic university, I love how they responded. They wrote back and they actually agreed with Facebook. They said, you're right. Indeed, the cross is sensational and shocking and excessively violent. It's sensational that man would actually, in fact, they said it's the most sensational event in history that man would actually execute his God. It's shocking that God would take on flesh and allow himself to be put on a cross, obedient to the point of death, to bear the sins of mankind. And it's excessively violent and that a man was beaten to within an inch of his life, then stripped and hung, nailed to a cross, and hung there to bear the weight of the sins and the hate and all the evil that's in the world. But they also wrote, but it wasn't nails that kept Jesus on the cross. He's God. He could have come down. But it was his love for mankind that because he paid that price, no longer would we have to live condemned of our sins. We could have eternal life with him and a life with our Father in heaven. Yeah, the cross. It's a great reminder, shocking, sensational, and excessively violent, but it's a wonderful reminder of what God has done. Easter and the cross does such a good job of that. But it's not the only reminders. The women at the tomb had two other reminders of, of what happened at Easter, and they actually apply to us as well. Let's read their story. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they prepared and they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Can you imagine these ladies? They're going, they're going to the tomb. It's sad. They got a bunch of spices because they're going to embalm the body of Jesus. They love Jesus. They believed in Jesus, but they watched him brutally murdered on a cross and then put in a tomb, and they rolled a big stone. So they're thinking, hard job ahead of us, and who's going to move that stone? When they got there, they found that the stone had already been rolled away. So that, I'm sure, was puzzling. And then they walked in, and they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And so they're standing there wondering what in the world's going on. And then these two angels appear. That's the men in dazzling robe. Those are angels. I think angels must have a sense of humor because they always like to pop in, scare the daylights out of people. And so here they were, and all of a sudden these angels show up, and they're like, hey, why are you looking, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, as he said. And they reminded these women that Jesus had, had called that. He had said, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Now you have to understand, that's, that's significant because it validates everything else he said. If to say, on the third day, I'm going to rise again, if he didn't rise, it would make everything else he said invalid. But he called a shot. 
If you're a baseball fan, you know about the called shot. Called shot was when Babe Ruth, 1932 World Series, pointed in center field, playing in Wrigley Field, playing the Chicago Cubs, pointed his bat in center field, then a couple pitches later knocked a home run right there. And everyone went, wow, he called a shot. I'm telling you, a called shot. Jesus said, they're going to crucify me, and on the third day I'm going to rise again, and he did. That's a called shot. And when these women remembered his words and experienced the, the, the fact that Jesus was not there, boy, it stirred them up, and they rushed back, and they went back to tell the other 11 what had happened. But the same thing we see happening just a little bit later, same chapter in Luke. Two men going to the road, Emmaus. Emmaus was a town close to Jerusalem. They were walking to Emmaus and Jesus appears to them and they don't recognize him. Now, I don't know how he does that. That's way above my pay grade, but he's walking with them and he's talking with them and he's like, hey guys, why are you sad? And they're like, duh, do you not know anything that's going on? Jesus, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the answer. He did amazing miracles, but they crucified him and they laid him in a tomb. And then our women went to the tomb and they can't find him. And so as they were walking, Jesus didn't just look at them and go, hey, it's me. He actually took them to the scriptures and began to show them from the scriptures, the scriptures in the Old Testament, exactly what was written about him and how this was all predicted and how it had come to pass. And then a little bit later, he's having dinner with them. And when he breaks bread, all of a sudden their eyes are open and they recognize, whoa, it's Jesus. And then he disappears. Well, that got them stirred up. So as they went back to tell the disciples at night, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he shared the scriptures? We have the cross and we have the scriptures that stir us and remind us of what Jesus has done. There's a couple of great verses here I want to share with you this morning that show us exactly what happened. Romans 4.25 says, because he, Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins, and he, Jesus, was raised to life to make us right with God. Then in 1 Peter, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What Jesus did for us on the cross, He said He was given up to die for our sins. So in other words, this wasn't something He needed to do to prove anything. He died to pay the price for our sins. He shed His blood for us. He paid that price, and then he was risen to make us right with God. Now, the beautiful thing is you can't get right with God on your own. You can't work your way there, give your way there, just be good enough to get there. But what Jesus did for us was to make us right with God. Well, that's something to get stirred up about. And then Peter said because he was raised from the dead, now we have a living hope, a living hope. That means a hope that's not subject to the variables that's in this world. I was reading some articles and we've seen what's happening in our country and some of the environment and some of the things that have happened in our country. And, and I was reading an article that a lady wrote. She said, there seems to be an, an apathy in America right now. And it's, it's a steady drizzle of helplessness and hopelessness. It said, where people feel like they've lost, they've lost the, the control and their lives are constrained and they can't do anything about it. And as I was, she was talking about the crime rate. She was talking about all the things that were going on and how people are just kind of whatever now. And I kept looking for her to, to inject some kind of faith in there. Maybe there's, there's a hope. She didn't have much hope. She's just like, we need to do something about this. We need to change. And as I read that, I thought, oh, you ought to know who I know. 
Because if you know who I know, you would understand that there is a hope. There is a living hope. And it's not based on, it's not based on anything out here. It's not based on government. Guys, if your hope is in government, you got a long road to hope. Because I don't care who's in office, government's not the answer. You say, well, my hope's not government. My hope is in man's progressive ability to get better. Really? We're getting better? You seen the crime rates recently? Have you seen what happened at the Oscars? That's not getting better. That was, that was pretty bad. You get slapped because you said something at the officers and you say, well, that's minor. Okay, let's talk about the Ukraine. They're getting pounded right now. That doesn't give me hope that mankind is getting better. So my hope is not in government and it's not in mankind improving. My hope is in a risen savior who died for me, who's raised again. And that's where my hope is. And here's, and here's the beautiful thing. It's not just a hope for this life. It's a hope for the life to come. It's a hope that, you know, really this life is the shortest thing we'll ever do. And so it's a hope for eternity. I've got loved ones. I know I'm, I know I'm going to see them again. I've got hope that I'll leave, when I leave this earth, I know where I'm going. There's a hope there. It's a living hope. The scriptures give us a living hope. And the scriptures remind us of how much God loves us. Look at this verse here. We've shared this verse a lot this, this year at the church. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can never be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He didn't spare Jesus. Some people say, well, I just wish I could get a hug from God. I, I just wish I, I knew God loved me. Listen, our love, God, God's love for us is not exhibited in, in hugs and, and nice words. His love for us was exhibited in his valuation of us when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. He put the valuation, he put the love on mankind. He said, this is how much I love mankind. In Canada right now, the, mo the highest military honor that you can ever receive is what they call the Victoria Cross. The Victoria Cross is given for valor and, and personal bravery above and beyond the call of duty. The first Victoria Cross that they gave in World War II was to a Sergeant Major John Osborne. He was Sergeant Major leading a company and the company got separated from his battalion and they came under heavy, heavy fire from the enemy. And the enemy was, as they pushed in and got closer, then the enemy started lobbing grenades into his, into his company where they were. Sergeant Major John Osborne actually picked up several live grenades and threw them back. Then one of them landed in a place where he knew he couldn't get to it in time. And he shouted a warning and threw himself on the grenade and it exploded, killing him instantly. But every man in his company survived because of Sergeant Major John Osborne's sacrifice. Now we read and hear something like that and something within us resonates. We think, man, that's, that's heroic. That's, that's amazing. That's a genuine self-sacrificing love. But it really pales in comparison to what God's heart for us and what he did for us through Jesus. Because you see, when, when, when men fight and, and those who've been in, in arms for, uh, armed forces who have served will tell you, I don't just fight for our country, I fight for the people beside me. And oftentimes they fight and die and throw themselves on grenades to save the lives of the people they love, the men they fight with, the women they fight with. And they do it for, for love and to kill the enemy. But Jesus, 
Jesus gave his life, self-sacrifice. He gave it up for us voluntarily, not just for his friends, but for his enemies and for everyone in between. That's love. That's the love of God for us. We see it in the scriptures. We see it in the cross. And we see it in personal experience. I like Justin's song that he sang, that last song he sang. It's beautiful. He said, if you knew me then, if you knew me then, you'd believe me now. There's a lot of us that said that the Lord has changed our life. You see, what we're talking about here at Easter, we're not talking about just the philosophy. We're not talking about just a, a cultural world point view. What we're talking about is a living relationship, a transforming relationship with a living Savior. And he changes our lives. He makes old things new. If anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. It's an amazing thing. But you can't take away personal experience. I had a friend a number of years ago that worked for Amway. Anybody remember Amway? Amway was a, was a multi-level marketing. They got in a lot of trouble in the 80s and 90s because of some legal things. And I asked my friend, I said, how did you guys deal with all that legal stuff? He said, man, we had a great answer. So every time someone would say, you know, we were presenting Amway, and they're like, well, hang on a second. What about all this? And, and he said, our answer was, well, I don't know about all that, but let me tell you what's done for me. They said, anything anybody said, we would always respond with, well, I don't know about all that, but let me tell you what it's done for me. And oftentimes, they would show them checks or they would show them money they had made with Amway. So in other words, I don't know about all that, but let me just tell you what's done for me personally. I thought, you know, that is a really a good answer for us as Christians. Sometimes people are going, well, I don't get this and I don't get all the evil in the world. And I don't understand suffering. And I don't know that. And sometimes we just have to look at them and go, I don't know all that, but let me tell you what he's done for me. I don't understand all that, but let me tell you, he's changed my life. Well, I don't, what about this and what about that? I don't know about all that, but let me tell you something. He has done some wonderful things for my life personally. Let me tell you what he's done for me. You can take away a lot of things, but you cannot take away my personal experience. And so many of us can say the very same thing. Where would we be if putting for the mercy of God? So we have the cross, we have the scriptures, and we have personal experience. One story and I'll close. Wayne Cordero is a man, I met him years ago. He is a pastor in Hawaii. How's that for suffering for Jesus? Um, he's, he said a man in his church was a big man. They called him bully. Before he knew the Lord, he was a construction superintendent and he would bark orders and he was just a, he was an aggressive guy and got the nickname bully. He said after he came to know the Lord, he just a gentle giant. But Wayne said he was looking, talking with Bully one day, and he looked down and he said, and Bully's hands were covered in scars. He said, Bully, where did you get all those cuts on your hand? And Bully told him this story. Bully said, I was working, I was working above the bay that my little village in Hawaii sat next to the ocean where it overlooked the ocean. So I was working on this bay, and one morning we noticed that the, the tide had gone out. We'd never seen the tide go out that far before. He said it went out so far, he said the children were just having a wonderful time running and playing and catching fish that were left behind in the tidal pools. He said there were reefs that we'd never seen exposed before and now they're exposed looking like islands. He said the tide had gone out so far, it was a great experience. He said, but what we did not realize was, was the ocean was about to unleash a tsunami that would come in with a, a, a wave that was 35 feet plus and would sweep into that little village and just absolutely decimate it broken homes, overturned cars, broken buildings, 
broken houses, broken dreams, and broken people. When the waters receded, it is left behind debris and, and just a mess. Bully said, I ran home and my wife was sobbing uncontrollably. She said, Bully, Robbie's missing. I can't find Robbie. Robbie was their six-month-old baby boy that was sleeping when the waters ravaged that village. Bully looked out over the, the shoreline, which is nothing but debris and broken buildings, and realized that the waters had gone out again. He knew another wave may be coming. So he began to run over the debris and, and beginning to tear uh, the, the corrugated metal and, and things and just pull it up, looking desperately for his son. As he was running and, and searching through the debris, he heard whimpering and he looked under a, an, an overturned car and there was a mattress under that and he reached in there and pulled out his six-month-old son, Robbie, still alive. He, he said, Billy said, I tucked him under my arm like a fullback carrying a football. He said, and I ran for high ground. Got my wife and we ran for high ground. He said, we hit, and when we hit high ground, we were just hugging one another and loving one another and hugging that boy and thanking God for his mercy. He said, then my wife looked at me. She stopped. She said, Bully, what's wrong with your hands and feet? You're covered in blood. And Bully said what he didn't realize is when his son went missing and he was running on all that debris, he was only wearing tennis shoes. And there were screws and nails sticking up through the debris that he stepped on. And they pierced his feet. He said when he was pulling the the, the steel and the metal and the, and the tin, pulling them off of, for the dilapidated shacks, he said they were jagged and they just sliced into his hands. He said, but he was so intent on finding and saving his son that it didn't even matter. When I read that, I thought, hmm, those are love scars. A man who loved his son so much that the, the pain and the, and the blood didn't even matter. I thought, you know what? Jesus has love scars. His hands and feet were pierced for us. He was so intent, God was so intent on saving mankind that he sent Jesus to die for us. Easter's a great reminder. Maybe it's a reminder that it's time for you to stir up that relationship you have with the Lord. Maybe it's time to brush off your Bible or come back to church. Maybe it's time to begin to pray again or acknowledge God. Or maybe Easter's a great time if you're a little uncertain about where you stand with the Lord. Maybe you don't know if you've ever asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. and You don't know where you stand. You're unsure. It's a great time to be sure. And it's a great time if you've just simply, in your heart, you know you've gotten away from God. I've been there so far away. But i got great news for you. He will so take you back so quickly. I'm going to ask you if, if you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody at all, but I am going to ask you one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, I know that I, I, I want to be sure of my relationship with the Lord. Or Alan, I know that I need to come back to him. And I want your prayers. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you shoot your hand up real quick just across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Anybody else say, that's me? Would you? Way in the back. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. And maybe you didn't lift your hand and you really wanted to. 
good news is God sees hands, but he also sees hearts. So you can pray this prayer from your heart. I'm going to ask the church family to pray it with us. Pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray. We'll pray this prayer together. I'll lead you in it, and you can pray it. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. With head still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Father, some have stepped out of spiritual darkness into your light and some have come back home and we rejoice with them. Thank you for what you're going to do in their life. Thank you for the new start they have. And the things can, that are old can be made new. Thank you for that. Father, also thank you for those of us who know you. That Easter is the time we can stir up our love for you and what you've done for us. We're so appreciative. We're thankful now. We'll be thankful for eternity. And we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.